Hello, I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk, where we take a unique view of world events. We report news as history. With me today is the editor of StrategyPage.com and well-known military author, Jim Dunnigan. Associate editor and syndicated columnist, Austin Bay, also joins us. Welcome, Austin and Jim. I thought it would be good to talk about missile defense just in general. We've got North Korea causing problems, but we've also got other areas where missile defense is a concern. We've got the uh, the Middle East. We've also even got, you know, what's going on in the former Soviet Union bloc countries that are fearful of Russia and uh, other powers. Not to mention that we also have to worry about China somewhere there in the mix. So just recently there was a successful THAAD operation where we tested out uh, our uh, THAAD capabilities. What is THAAD, uh, Austin? Uh, I think we have had some recent THAAD tests, but I think you're referring to the uh, ground-based interceptor, uh, ground-based mid-course defense uh, system test at the end of May that was an anti-ICBM intercept uh, down. That was the the big success. THAAD is... Uh, terminal high altitude area defense. It used to be theater high altitude uh, uh, defense system back in the 90s when it was being uh, developed. But it is a longer range uh, anti-missile missile system that still intercepts an incoming intermediate range ballistic missile or shorter range, shorter, notice that range, uh, a ballistic missile when it's in its terminal phase coming uh, coming in it uh, it's not quite fair to say what I'm about to say but it, it provides a good layman's description it's like a longer range Patriot pack 3 and that's uh, Patriot advanced capability 3 which is a true anti-missile missile for short range term uh, defense against uh, uh, the, the, in the terminal phase of an incoming uh, ballistic missile. So you've got Patriots for closer in last-ditch defense. THAAD gives you a larger area defense, and the, the THAAD battery that, or at least part of one, it will eventually be, I think, an entire THAAD battery deployed in uh, in southern uh, South Korea, really gives... Uh, some defense capability up 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 to Seoul, um, be actually beyond beyond Seoul. So it's a wide area uh, defense system. We have a THAAD battery deployed on Guam for the same for the same reason because Guam is a potential target by North Korea and uh, yeah, it, uh, China, it, uh, the U.S. Uh, strategic. Air Base, Anderson Air Base at Guam is a strategic target for all adversaries and enemies and, and uh, potential enemies because it's such a, a powerful American uh, defense asset, Anderson is, and the naval facilities uh, uh, there on Guam. So that's what that is. Now, I get to take it up to the next next level, I'll just go through the uh, U.S. US anti-missile missile system. You have... Uh, two varieties, really, of, of Navy uh, standard missiles that are part of their, their Aegis ballistic missile uh, defense uh, uh, program. You'll see that uh, Aegis class warship BMD, ballistic missile uh, defense, it relies on the uh, Aegis 
sensor targeting and uh, and targeting uh, system. You can fire SM3s, uh, standard missile threes, standard missile sixes, and they provide even longer uh, range or uh, uh, complementary capabilities uh, uh, to uh, to Thad. Uh, and and longer range as well. Plus, you've got the ability to move warships around into uh, areas uh, for better angles to intercept a, a, a potential uh, missile launch. And then on top of that, this, this was the big thing at the end of May, was the uh, test of the ground-based missile defense, GMD. It's long lances is still called the GBI, ground-based interceptor, which is essentially think of a of a ICBM that's got an exoatmospheric kill vehicle, EKV, on top of it for intercepting uh, an uh, enemy uh, uh, missile, really uh, outside the atmosphere in, uh, in in outer space. And it is an anti-ICBM uh, anti-missile missile. This was the first time an ICBM has been successfully um, uh, intercepted, which is why that particular test got so much uh, major media coverage. Now, when Jim and I get into talking about this, Jim's going to bring up some other other systems that uh, U.S. allies have and things that we've worked with. I'll also add that part of our uh, U.S. missile defense is offensive, Dan, with strike capability to take out enemy missiles before they're launched. And one of the things that's been experimented with are drones – uh, with lasers, that the drones are up looking for, say, this is a North Korean launch, looking for a sign that a North Korean tractor erector launcher is going to come out and, and put an IRBM up and, and shoot it. And you put a little laser pulse in there into the, um, in, in, into the missile and, and render it, uh, uh, not necessarily unshootable, but it's not going to, it's going to blow up on the pad or, or, or go, or go astray. We had something at one time called the Airborne Laser. You may remember that 747 that had a huge, all right, huge chemical laser uh, in the front, the pulse and fire it. Could never get it to, to the point that you could hit, have that beam travel horizontally through, uh, through the atmosphere with sufficient, sufficient focus to be able to provide uh, adequate adequate uh, for, for it to, to, to do the job. And the other thing is that the 747 was a tremendously vulnerable platform. However, we've made a lot of advances uh, on uh, lasers with that, uh, that capability. And right. you about that occasionally on, on mounting these on, on Navy, uh, on, on Navy warships. And uh, and that's anyway, so you can see that right. our architecture is uh when it layered right from the launch pad all the way to the continental United States. Right, and the the thing about the lasers is they don't actually have to cause <clears throat> any uh, very much damage in the missile as long as they make them slightly less aerodynamic. Uh, uh, then the, the missile has problems. I, I attended a, a talk in uh, in a I, I know <laughs> I know this isn't class uh, isn't classified, but in the late nineties on this where uh, you're talking about. Sniper teams, special forces sniper teams, and of course this was something experimented with uh, later in, and in, uh, in, had been experimented with in uh, uh, earlier, or with uh, teams with 50 caliber uh, sniper rifles 
position to, for instance, knock out an Iraqi Scud before it's launched, all they had to do was put a 50 caliber hole in the right place on the booster, and it, you, you, you render the missile, uh, <laughs> if not inaccurate, in, in, uh, inoperable. It's the same uh, idea with uh, uh, using a laser. Uh, there was uh, a uh, airborne laser film that was shot. And I want to say it was in the late 90s as well, demonstrating the laser on a target a sample, you know, target on a target missile. And it, basically, what it did, Dan, was it didn't pay, put a little hole in it. It was maybe the size of a softball or a little bit bigger, like this, and essentially uh, burned or rendered the. The, uh, the the booster inoperable because it had had had, penet uh, had penetrated it. Now this is on on a on a static uh, on a static target, but that's the way it works. What you said is is accurate. It didn't have to hit guidance. It didn't have to uh, hit the, you know, just to totally take it out. It it had to uh, affect its uh, flight characteristics or you know you know allow for the breach of a fuel tank. Right. So that was the idea. Jim, could you tell us a little bit about what our allies are doing in the uh, missile defense area? Well, the only ally that counts is Israel. Uh, and we have uh, openly uh, poured billions of dollars into the uh, uh, Israeli anti-missile uh, defense systems, uh, mainly Arrow, but also their, their new version of uh, what is basically our patriot. Uh, which they are just introducing, um, and several other systems. Uh, now, we do this for self-interest because the Israelis, uh, you know, <laughs> it's obvious the Israelis have more of an incentive to do it right and to do it fast because they are threatened. They were threatened uh, until a few years ago by Syria, which had built up a formidable, you know, uh, uh, arsenal of, you know, several hundred uh, uh, Scud-type uh, you know, ballistic missiles, uh, and then of course Iran was was you know rattling missiles as it were at them uh, with longer range. Uh, so that is basically, uh, yeah, for, for, for rough comparison's sake, uh, an American version of the Israeli Arrow, and indeed the two, uh, exactly how much technology they share is classified, but again, it's no secret. That there's enormous cooperation between American and Israeli researchers, developers, and manufacturers uh, in developing the Arrow and some of the other systems. How much uh, they are, uh, how much you know, we are giving to them in terms of technology. Again, is as Austin points out, it's been classified, but it is assumed to be uh, substantial. And in return, we get access to a battle, a combat testing system. Now. What scares the Russians, in addition to that, is that whether they, whether it's true or not, they have seen what happened to Aegis, which has passed like I think 80% of its test shots, most of them fairly realistic. And then, of course, Aegis, uh, in, in in a demonstration a few years back, uh, knocked down a, a, a spy satellite, which had was inoperable, and you know it was a safety measure, but you know it was also a test. I mean, it, it, the uh, the satellite, it was there were there were fears that the satellite might come down in the wrong place. Because it had, you know, lost control as well. But anyway, um, the Russians are now openly uh, Russian military officials, I guess, trying to get more money out of a, of a, of a you know, a bankrupt, you know, budget uh, uh, to uh, to do more about this. 
because they pointed out correctly recently that um, all uh, low orbit uh, spy satellites, which means the high resolution photo satellites, the radar satellites, the ELINT electronic intelligence satellites. I mean, anybody who's everybody who's anybody in that sort of you know intelligence area collection area has to put them in low orbit. Nobody's found a way to do it from a safe, as it were, from Aegis orbit. Um, and uh, and of course the Israelis haven't don't have to make noise because you know any engineer can look at the specs, the published specs, and say you know the Israelis could do this too. Now the Israelis don't have as much to worry about. In terms of satellites, although the Iranians have a few up there now, uh, technically communication satellites, um, but they are aware. They're not stupid. I mean, the Iranians are are very clever, and there's a generation of Iranian Jews who are still around and their children uh, who can basically say, you know, Iranians in general are pretty pro-science. You know, they have a lot of women still going to engineering school. I mean, they may be running a theocratic state. With all kinds of restrictions on women, but if a woman makes a good engineer, no problem, honey. You know, we'll, we'll get you in there, whatever it takes. Uh, and that is scary to the Israelis. I mean, the 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 Arabs hobble themselves in terms of technology and have for over a thousand years, but not the Iranians. They got converted by accident, according to some Iranians, uh, during one of their civil wars by the the Arabs. That was humiliating as heck. Uh, they adopted um, Islam, and then. <laughs> A few hundred years later, adopted a a a, a, how should I put it, a particularly bothersome brand of Shia Islam, bothersome to the Arabs, the purists. That was not an accident. But anyway, it's causing a lot of problems now, as is the uh, the Iranian understanding of technology, even if they can't build a lot of it. Um, now that's a problem for China and North Korea, especially because the North Koreans are able to talk. Well, maybe not as much as they used to with uh, Chinese technical people. Uh, they were uh, North Koreans were able to buy or bribe their way into some Cold War Russian missile technology. And some of their uh, at the time, you know, uh, Russia also had some anti uh, ballistic missile systems, which are quite primitive. We've covered it in strategy page anyway. Um, so they they their people, their best people uh you know, scientists in gilded cages, um, they they basically understand what's out there. Uh, and now, fortunately for us, their fearless leader doesn't pay much attention to logic and, you know, uh, especially, you know, scientists telling him, well, we can't do it. So they have to put on a good show. And, of course, as we've seen recently, the show hasn't been all that impressive. They can't keep it up. Uh, you know, get, well, anyway, uh, they need Viagra for missiles and they're not able to get it. Um, but this is at, this is to be, you know, understood. I mean, the North South Koreans have been pointing this out as they've been recovering more components of the um, of the uh, longer range uh, North Korean missiles, which are in international waters. And the South Koreans have the technology to quickly recover uh, the stuff before North Korea could intervene as if it would try, because in international waters, the South Koreans had American cover. So they, that that based, that that worked. Uh, but anyway, they were able to examine it and that got the U.N. doing an investigation. And that was recently published. And it pointed out that, yes, there was an enormous leakage of technology uh, from China or via China. Uh, Western technology, which assists in uh, ballistic missile uh, construction and design, as well as nuclear weapons. 
And that's one reason why the, uh, the Chinese are now seriously bearing down on North Korea to back off. Again, we've covered that. But in terms of missile defense, the, the Chinese are and, – and the Russians too, but it's the Chinese who have the most to lose because the Chinese are not much of a threat to South Korea. Um, the, uh, the, the Chinese understand what that can do. They understand what Aegis can do. And, and actually what scares them the most is the, is the, is the long-range radar. Uh, that the uh, THAAD uses, which we sent over there, which again is similar. Actually, it's probably more powerful than the uh, the uh, the one the Israelis designed uh, for the Arrow. But what it does is it gives you very long range, uh, real time, you know, uh, uh, surveillance of uh, territory deep inside of China. And the Chinese really don't like that. I mean, they they've had enough. Uh, problems they're dealing with all the American and uh, South Korean Japanese. You know, a lot of people who don't like China have satellites up there watching them constantly, um, and that it's expensive to deal with, and they can deal with it up to a point. Uh, but basically, it's annoying. It's it hurts their pride, et cetera, et cetera. And now the Russians are coming out and spilling the beans. You know, uh, you know, when a Russian military official complains, the Chinese can't just brush it off as whatever, uh, because you do the math and you realize that Aegis and similar proven systems like that, like the Arrow, um, are a serious threat to all the, uh, the spy satellites up there. Uh, so the North Koreans have basically stirred up a beehive that the Chinese would rather not be stirred up. Uh, the Iranians, too, I mean, that's one reason why the, the, uh, the coalition, as it were, between Russia and China and Iran is uh, sort of lukewarm. You know, they're not as generous as they could be. And the Iranians sort of understand it, but they won't admit it because uh, the Iranians simply, you know, encourage the Israelis to do more, do more, do more. Now, as we've seen with the Israelis, you know, when you're in a wartime situation, you get more done cheaply and more reliably. We, we have our own examples, like during the Gulf War, when we needed a... Uh, a, a, a pen, ground penetrating bomb, and it was boom. It was it was developed like in two months, I think. Was that the Gulf War? But anyway, no, uh, uh, Jim, yeah, that's was, right. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and that was the kind of improvisation you only get in wartime. In peacetime, there's too much money to be made and too many asses to be covered, uh, and it, it costs a lot more. We saw another example, which we're going to be publishing a piece on on the crowdsourced uh, Ukrainian uh, UAV. Uh, well, the United States, we wouldn't send them a, 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 a you know, a, a secure digital uh, one because we were afraid the Russians would be able to, you know, compromise it. So <laughs> about a year ago, a little more than a year ago, uh, a bunch of Ukrainian, you know, patriots, uh, they basically started a, a PD-1 project, you know, a Kickstarter in effect. They got enough money. They built it using off-the-shelf parts, you know, uh, some from China. Um, but basically unclassified, you know, technology. Uh, they used their own engineers, um, and uh, they tested it in, uh, in, in, in about a year ago. Uh, and the Ukrainian military said, well, hey, it's worth it. it only, they only cost 25000 bucks a piece, which is cheaper than the Raven, but, you know, the, uh, uh, the PD-1 is, is more the size of, uh, you know, uh, well, it's got a five-hour endurance. <laughs> Let me put it that way. It, it carries much more. In other words, it's, it's more like the shadow. Uh, 
uh, 200 that that is uh, still very popular with the U.S. Army. Um, and it was and it was secure. I mean, the Russians have been throwing the best they have at it. They find that humiliating that a bunch of Ukrainian civilians on their own nickel, you know, develop this technology and put it out there. So the Russians don't talk about it, but it, it's all the buzz in Ukraine. And, uh, and and all they would say was, you know, the Americans and the NATO advisors, uh, including, you know, electronic warfare assistance, uh, you know, came away impressed. And that's starting to stir up other things, again, which we'll cover, we're covering in a, in a, in a soon-to-be-published strategy page item. Um, you know, the implications of that. But it should come as no surprise because we've seen uh, what's been done with off-the-shelf uh, UAVs, commercial UAVs, costing like a thousand, you know, in Syria, used by both by the uh, the Islamic terrorist groups, especially you know ISIL, but also by the Kurds. Anybody who's desperate, you know, and has the incentive, and has some uh, you know engineers and, and and a few bucks to spend on it, you can do a lot with very little. Uh, which is an old rule, which often gets forgotten. I mean, it's not something, you know, military contractors want to, you know, make too much noise about, but that's all of the story. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, Israel is a very major factor uh, in what's going on uh, with North Korea, Thad, uh, and what China's really upset about. Uh, oh, the other thing, which I think we covered recently in, in Strategy Page, is the um, uh, one thing I'm getting from uh, from China and, uh, you know, countries like Singapore and Taiwan, where it's easier to get information out, is that the, uh, the Chinese government is apoplectic. Uh, for over a year now, uh, they've been on, off and on trying to control uh, the public uh, statements on the Chinese uh, Internet, which is heavily censored and regulated, regarding North Korea. Well, it turns out. Uh, it was a meme, as they say, got started in China. This is on Baidu, you know, on, on the, again, the, the internal Chinese, you know, versions of, of Twitter and, and, fa- and Facebook and what have you, which you got to be careful what you say. But at times they would turn it on and say, hey, you know, have at North Korea. We're trying to, you know, pressure them. And the trill came out in Chinese, of course, that even surprised the leaders. Now, the problem was they couldn't disagree with a lot of it. I mean, the North Koreans were seen as a bunch of ungrateful wretches. And then, of course, after the Cold War came out that, uh, you know, when we got into the Russian archives, that it was the, the whole business with the, the North Korea invading South Korea was a setup by the Rus- Russians, which, again, was not unknown to the Chinese. But the way we, we suckered, you know, China into the into the war um, uh, was basically a deliberate con because the Russians never shared the technology they promised. China for losing half a million troops and and God knows how much else, uh, you know, fighting the Americans. Uh, now, for a long time, the Chinese had pitched that as a patriotic, you know, uh, uh, service to a, a fellow socialist, you know, uh, paradise. Uh, but since then, you know, the, uh, uh, the Chinese can do the math. You know, they see what's happening in South Korea and in North Korea. Um, and uh, they see what uh, how, how grateful uh, you know, North Korea is to their Chinese sponsors, uh, and the, the Chinese people are unhappy. And of course, once the uh, once the Chinese government allowed people to speak freely, that's always a big mistake for any Chinese government um, or any totalitarian government. Um, they tried to turn it off, and they couldn't. In other words, they could, you know, they could censor people, but they found out that it would be very bad move. To you know, uh, send too many of them to prison. You know, to execute anybody. I mean, they can really turn the heat up to 
very high. Uh, you know, if people misbehave uh, on the Chinese internet, um, but they found out that this opened a sore that was not healing. Uh, so they are really angry. And these things never come out in the media for whatever reason. They don't understand Chinese culture, you know, how the internet operates in China, et cetera, et cetera. Strategy page does. But anyway, the, um, the fact of the matter is that Israel is also a factor. And also the, the fact that uh, China understands that the Russian technology they are still using and actually improving on. They are starting to move ahead of Russia. And take Russia's place as the, you know, the, the major purveyor of uh, cheap, second-rate but, but usable, you know, military technology. Uh, they realize there's a huge hurdle to get into the first rank, like with the Europeans or the Israelis or even the Japanese, who, the, who are who are getting rid of the treaty, the, the constitutional restrictions we imposed on them after World War II to export weapons, and uh, customers are lining up. Uh, to buy what uh, Japan has to offer, uh, the Chinese realize they can they can they can po they can posture they can they can propagandize all they want. Uh, too many Chinese can do the math, and they can get the message out, uh, and uh, and that really you know uh, gets them angry. And of course, that's something nobody can say outright. You know, it's oh well we know you know, but we'll keep quiet. You keep quiet. Uh, but that's what's really going on. And uh, that's why North Korea is in big trouble. But see, the North Koreans feel we got nothing to lose. Everybody hates us. Our own people hate us. You know, if we lose power, we're all up again. We, we become another Ceausescu. That's what happened to the uh, the East European North Korea, Romania. Uh, their own secret police, you know, basically turned on them. And that's why when we report on Korea, we pay special attention to morale and reliability of the North Korean secret police. Well, it's not looking good. But anyway, the Chinese uh, are finally, after years of, of pressure by us and South Korea and Japan and everybody else uh, to shut down the, uh, the North Koreans, uh, basically agreed to do it. They're just trying to figure out how to do it with the least damage to themselves. Um, so missile defense works, but not in ways you, you expect. Now, Austin, we have an air launch capability, too, for missile defense, right? It's primarily it's sea and 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 ground based. I, I told you we have a drone. We have fired experimentally, as Jim was pointing out, certain missiles from uh, from uh, air, uh, aircraft and done that. But our you know, the missile defense system, as as deployed, as operational, is is primarily ground and and uh, and, and sea based. So. Yeah, they, they, that that actually was tested and and was workable during the Cold War. Uh, it was stopped by both sides by the Russians because they couldn't compete. Ours ours was too effective, and by us because basically we were getting the Russians uh, to sign uh, the Soviets and at that at that point disarmament treaties. This was all the rage during the eighties, and this was the real deal. You know, they allowed open inspections. Um, and of course, after the Cold War ended and we got into the archives, you know, it was re it was proven what a lot of people in the intel business already knew was they were doing it because they had not much choice um, because they simply couldn't compete. Um, and uh, they uh, they basically uh, that technology is now was out there. 
Uh, some of it got leaked to the Chinese. A lot of it got leaked to the Chinese or sold to the Chinese. Uh, North Koreans got some. It can easily, it quickly be, be revived. But what really uh, you know burns the Russians and the Chinese is that while we backed off, we 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 you know we, we obeyed the treaty, but then we developed Aegis and oh whoops. We got a special version of Aegis that'll do what the uh, what the old Cold War systems would do, and hey, look, it actually works. So and that, that's, that's what I mean by a shipboard, you know, yeah, ship, exactly. shipboard but, system. But, but what Austin, but what Dan was talking about, the the air launched ones, no, know, yes, are, are are still they're cheaper, uh, of course, but they're not on station. You can't you can't plant them like you can a, a you know a destroyer or a cruiser you know off the you know off the coast and just wait for the other guy to do something uh, but you know if if you if you if you if you basically get an order take them all down uh, you know the chinese and the russians have you know several hundred uh, satellites up there and if you got to do it fast call in the air force well i was i was, I was yeah that's right that, it's, that. it's they've tested the um being able to take out the satellites with air. It was an ASAT. It was an ASAT. Yeah, exactly. Series of ASAT. And, 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 and the Air Force proved that yes, we could, yeah, we could build, sure. we could build hundreds of these, have them deployed. You get the order within hours. Uh, that's the enemy. You know, uh, spy satellites are toast. All right. Here, but here's here's actually I'm going to say something when Jim was talking about the political effects of uh, of missile defense. When you can show it, you've got it on a ship or you've got it in, in a place, and it acts as a deterrent. The air, knowing you have the capability, but the air, in a certain sense, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically, is uh, a bit more evasive, fragile. It doesn't stay there. It does give you the capability, but, but it's also how much fuel's left on the, uh, on the plane, is the plane in a position to take a shot? And also, how many how many arrows? I'm using arrows with a little a, not like the Israeli name, but you'll hear that among missile defenders still occasionally. A missile. How many arrows do you have in your quiver? How many? Well, no, no, no. That my point was. You didn't have the, enough the, on board the, an aircraft. The ASAT is an offensive weapon. In other words, if you're going to war or if you are attacking, you want to say, all right, we got to take them down. That's where the ASAC comes in handy because planes don't have to worry about their fuel. It's, you know, it, uh, one mission, one missile, come back, reload, you know, uh, and keep going. And so you fired all your arrows. And if you have as many arrows as you need, you know, the enemy no longer right, has Jim, eyes in the sky. Jim, I got it. But Dan's question was, is, is, is uh, using air, air launch platforms in missile defense. There were a lot of problems no, with it no, that you didn't no, have. No. That was the that's, what made, that's what made Aegis so you know, annoying. Absolutely. And, and now, of course, we deployed a, a, a ground Aegis system into Romania. Um, Aegis Ashore is what it's Aegis called. Aegis Ashore, right. And that's a little cheaper. And it, it works. Actually, we took the test system. I think it was in New Jersey or something like that. You know, put right. containers and it got it reassembled and, and operational uh, by early this year. I think it was late last year. Anyway, the uh, the thing is, Aegis was a game changer. I mean, the Navy can pat themselves on the back for that one uh, because it can be used ashore as a permanent system. Or, but as the as as the Navy likes to point out, you know, in a in a in a in a world like this where there are a lot of there are several minor threats, as it were. Not a couple, one or two big guys, or well, one big guy, China. Um, the uh, their mobile system is actually uh, preferable because uh, South Korea and Japan both have Aegis, 
you know, uh, anti-missile systems, but uh, they can be reinforced, you know, with within, you know, a week or early. Again, you, you get some warning if there's a threat level is rising and you see the, the American Aegis equipped, uh, you know, cruisers and, and destroyers headed for you know, the danger zone, you know, all right. You know, it's like, you know, checking the deliveries, pizza deliveries at night, you know, to the Pentagon. Uh, it's an indicator, as they say. And, of course, sometimes it can just be used as a threat. You know, there's a lot well, of Well, it's, it's used as a political reassurance tool as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's, 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 that's what I mean, I mean by a threat. huge if diplomatic the, tool. The enemy, if the enemy yeah. rattles a saber and bingo, you've got a dozen, you know, ages and anti-missiles. Whoops, well, maybe that threat kind of diminished or well, is look, no longer exists. We thought about this mobility issue from the get-go because you can rapidly deploy Patriot and THAAD batteries compar- uh, comparatively, actually move them by uh, uh, the components by air, uh, assuming that you've got a safe place to, uh, to put, uh, put them uh, in, in theater as well. As, but but the, you know, the ships are warships, and they've got a lot of missiles in there uh, 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 on board. I mean, they're, that, that's, that's the, they've, got, they've got a lot of anti-missile missiles. Uh, they're also uh, hardened, uh, hardened platforms. And I was going to make one comment, too, Jim, about the, the Chinese complaints about the THAAD radar system. That Aegis radar system ties right into THAAD, and as well as our satellites. Aegis peers deeply into China on, off aboard a, a, a ship. And yeah. they're, worried, they're worried about THAAD. That's just diplomatic, uh, you know, maneuvering and diplomatic mal- uh, malarkey. If you're worried about THAAD, are you worried about the, the uh, SPY-1 radar and the Aegis systems on board all those Navy ships, are you going to complain about them? Well, no, the, the use of fusion is, you know, combining, allowing commanders to basically access, you know, all these, these feeds, you know, simultaneously on one display um, is, is a big deal. But uh, the uh, the problem with persistent, you know, radars uh, are, are looking at China, that bothers them because it's a, it's a persistent system. You know, sure always there, sure. uh, and that's why that's why that's why uh, Israel is not crazy about uh, uh, Russia or or, Syria or or Iran. You know, uh, putting uh, these the latest Russian, um, uh, you know, S three hundred or even S four hundred, the Russian Patriot, as it were, uh, anti aircraft uh, SAM systems uh, in the area is because that gives them the ability to uh, have that radar. As it were, looking oh, yeah. at Israeli airspace. Now the Israelis can deal with it, just like the Chinese can do it. But it's an it's expensive. It's one other thing you got to worry about. You know, if you're jamming or whatever system you got to, to fox it fails, bingo, another vulnerability. So basically, the more layers, the more weapons you have pointed, you know, the more defenses you got to build. And that's what bothers the Chinese, because again, unlike the Russians, or at least learning from the Soviet experience. The Chinese understand that they're decades away from parity. And in the meantime, the Chinese, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, has to survive, which is, which is uh, you know, more and more iffy. Again, we, we cover that in strategy page. They have their own, as the communists like to say, contradictions uh, to, to, to wrestle to the ground. Um, but um, uh, uh, any military planner in China, I mean, that's why they were shocked. Has to deal with these things. They were they were really uh, knocked back on their heels uh, during the 1991 war. That was at the end of the Cold War, and so they were seeing you know what what the Americans were up to, and a hundred hour war. And they said, whoops, 
we have a problem. And they're still working on that. Right. Now, one of the things about Aegis is that it the capabilities came about because the hardware kept upgrading and the Navy kept tweaking the software. It wasn't yes. really that it, the intent wasn't to do what they're doing with it now, but they took advantage of what business takes advantage all the time is, is that you can find a use for your, your software and your hardware that was unintended. Yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those rare examples of software development where, you know, uh, you know, adding more and more and more upgrades actually had a, a, a surprise payoff. Right. Actually, it happens in commercial software occasionally, but normally Dan, it's I, I, think, I think there's a little bit of, of you got, got to give the Defense Department here a little bit of credit for long-range planning on, on, on the on oh, yeah. the naval system. And, and let, let me talk to you all through it just for a second. I know Jim knows this. The world, by Reagan and, and SDI, Strategic Defense Initiative. And there was also a push primarily coming out of the Army because we did not have a uh, means of, of stopping so-called battlefield ballistic missiles forward deployed, you know, like uh, the intermediate-range ballistic missiles, like the Soviet SS-20s that, were the, that they were deploying uh, in, in uh, Eastern Europe in, in, the, in the early 1980s. But there was a group within the uh, Army missile, missile Defense that early on, even in the 70s, said they wanted to have an anti-missile missile capability built into what was called originally SAMD, Surface to Air Missile Developmental. That was the, uh, the Patriot. All right, now, here we're going into strategic strategic defense. A lot of that was hoopla. We couldn't do it, and the Russians were, believed that we, uh, that, that we could. As Jim says, they'd, they'd learned that we could uh, accomplish a lot of things. Most of the stuff was one science fiction. But some of it was not. We were developing these capabilities, and the Navy looks at this and says, we've got this advanced radar system that can, with tweaks, and over time, handle missile defense, and they were thinking in theater terms, not ICBMs. Now, one of the bits of evidence for this is the Japanese decision in 1988, I think it was, you can go check this on the internet, 88, 89, to build the Congo-class destroyers, which we show pictures of occasionally on, uh, on strategy page. And they were going to be Aegis-capable, for a number of reasons, they want to be able to integrate uh, with uh, the U.S. navies and U.S. air forces, uh, command and control, target acquisition, uh, and, and, and targeting system, but also to be able to handle a, a guided missile defense against missile missile defense. In other words, Japan had already decided that we've got an emerging threat, potentially out of North Korea. Maybe out of out, 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 out of China. This is a great system. It's a great system for so many uh, uh, aspects. You know, anti-air because it was originally what uh, the system was to deal with. But it could also handle handle if necessary mi missile defense capability. And the Japanese, you go back and look through it. The Japanese thought this through, and there it was when they were. The discussions with the United States about it. It's one reason we went ahead and shared some of the technology with the Japanese. At the time, this is one of the places where Beijing got it totally right. They said, well, the, this is going to make the Japanese Navy just an arm of the U.S. 7th Fleet. Well, not really. It's the, it's the Japanese, you know, 
uh, Naval Self-Defense Forces, Sea Self-Defense Forces. But they were going to have the ability for shared situational awareness. And now, because of that, and as you said, software improving systems on this really good system that the, uh, uh, that the Navy developed, you've got, I think it's four right now, or is it six, Jim, Japanese ships that have anti-missile missile capability. Yeah. They, uh, there are other platforms out there. And the South Koreans, I don't think it's operational yet. I read strategy page, and I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, but they, they're they, able to do it. They're, they've got two platform, two ships that can handle it. Yeah. Now, just to come back to where we started, the test that was performed just lately was so important, Jim, because we intercepted in or or while it was up beyond the atmosphere because this really protects us from EMP attacks and like that right yeah but see the the big the big uh, uh, factor here is speed the uh, incoming ballistic missiles uh, arrive at different speeds depending on how far away or how high up they are when they start coming out it's all a matter of gravity um, and the fastest ones are the ICBMs and they are the most difficult because, you know, they're not much bigger, the warheads, than a Scud warhead, but they're moving at, I think, twice up to twice as, as fast. And that just requires a lot more, you know, uh, technology and precision, et cetera, et cetera. And it's very difficult to test. And a lot of scientists, you know, correctly said, you know, that's, that's really a difficult, you know, road to hoe. But uh, at the time, you know, uh, it, was, it was basically discouraged because uh, the Russians were building more and more missiles. The Russians were going to... You know, as the Russians like to say, a quantity has a quality all of its own. But in the post-Cold War world, uh, nobody's making a threat with lots of missiles. They're making a threat with a few missiles. That's why the Israelis spent all that money in effort building Arrow and why we spent all this money on GDS and that. Uh, but the, as Austin points out, the ultimate test is being able to stop an ICBM type, you know, at very long range. Uh, warhead coming in, and now we've shown, yeah, it's not science fiction. It's a surface you got to deal with. And it makes us uh, feel uh, so we, much we, more comfortable here in Utah with the new NSA facility just across the road from me. Dan, Dan, <laughs> it should make everyone more uh, comfortable in the in the cheeky way you you put it. But I was going to say one thing too: that the development. That, that there's a lot of effort has been put on this that EKV exoatmospheric kill vehicle, and that was w w one of the key. Uh, this was mentioned in a couple of of good reports I read, uh, and that uh, 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 there's a lot of work on it, and they were really pleased with the way it performed because uh, it, it had been tested on on prior launches, not against an ICBM target, not a target missile, and it. That, that is a, a very important part of this system. And if we have, uh, can tweak it, have it to be a, a, a more maneuverable, there's some things that are totally classified. I don't know what all of its capabilities. I know what it's supposed to do. I know the d design parameters on it. And what it's, uh, it's, it's a really uh, grand piece of defensive technology is what it is. So. Right. Well, we've run out of time. We need to wrap this up. It's, it's been a good tutorial on missile defense, not only for our audience, but me. And we'll talk to both of you next time. Take care, so guys. Bye. Bye-bye.